Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tom Hanks wanted was a quiet vacation at home. This is what I need, Carol. I, I need this. Welcome to Mayfield Place. A typical street in the burbs. Morning, Walter! Where nothing much ever happened. Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again. Until the Klopex moved in. Klopex? Klopex. Klopex. No one goes in, no one comes out. Neighbors from hell. It was a nice place to live. He said he thinks the Klopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? But now... Carol! You wouldn't want to visit there. Ray, this is Walter. No! Welcome to Rewatchability. This is the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up in the modern eye. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is... Howdy, neighbor. <laughs> the... It's Mr. Roberts. Oh, okay. That's... It's weird when you say it. Howdy, neighbor. <laughs> like you've already done something bad to me and I'm just waiting to find out what it is. <laughs> I'm just here to help you. Loan you a cup of sugar. Oh, oh! You're fitting into our into our movie this week. Yeah, you know, I, I was trying to be thematic for once. <laughs> yeah, you never do that. No. Um, but before we get into the burbs, we're going to talk about the burbs. I'm really excited. Me too. We should thank our Patreons. Yes. Thank you so much for going to Patreon.com/slash Rewatchability. There are neighbors. Yeah. But not like the creepy kind with the like murdering. Though some of them might be murdering. We don't discriminate. <laughs> you can murder and. Listen to our podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? As long as you're doing it in like the Dexter way where it's like moral somehow. That's right, what happened like, in Dexter, right? Like karmic in some way. Yeah. We can get behind as viewers. Yeah. Anyway, give us money. <laughs> go to, go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and uh, you can get the podcast early. You can get some bonus episodes. Yeah. And you can get the podcast without ads. Mm-hmm. As well, at any level of giving. No ads. So it's 2019. You can start out the year right by going there and uh, giving us pocket change. I will start the year right. Thank oh. you very much. <laughs> that's, that's so good. So this week, we are talking about The Burbs. Yes. And it's it's one of my favorite movies ever ever made. Okay. I really, really love it. Do you, what about you, Rob? Is this a, is this a favorite of yours? Well, it's a movie that I saw bits of when I was very young and scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, Joe Dante does that, the director of this movie. He he does, like, weird, like, gremlins. Well, I mean, I had a stuffed gizmo when I was a kid, so I was all over gremlins. I love gremlins. Nothing scary about gremlins. <laughs> okay. But We're not this... talking about gremlins, okay? <laughs> no. Come on. But this movie <laughs> terrified me as a kid. Oh, my God. Like... The fucking doctor? Yeah. You never wanted to go to the doctor again. No. That's why you're so sickly now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm riddled with disease. (laughs) You should get that checked out. Yeah, it'll be fine. (laughs) Certain appendages grow back, right? (laughs) Oh, God. That's what that smell is. All right. But also, like, I just have these memories of, like, seeing, like, the bones in the trunk and the incinerator. Oh, yeah. And those things terrified me as a kid. So this was a movie that I didn't watch for a while, not because I avoided it, but just because 
it guess, was like a horror movie to you. It, well, I think it is supposed to be a horror movie yeah, it's in a way. Horror comedy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, I rewatched it later when I was a little bit older yeah. and could thoroughly enjoy everything that was happening and only yeah. be scared a little bit. Yeah, right near the end. Uh, the Clopex, man. They're a scary... Family. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say clan. <laughs> well, the movie alludes to it. A little bit clanny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love this movie when I was a kid. It was one of those movies that we had on VHS uh, that we taped off TV sometime in the early 90s. And my mom loved it so much. And I loved it so much. We should talk about why we're doing this. This is a listener suggestion. Right. And it comes all the way. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna screw up her last name. It's gonna be bad, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it anyway. Maria Figuera. That's what I'm gonna say. Your name is. I'm so sorry that I can't pronounce that. Figuera. You can't either. <laughs> no, so we just butchered your name, Maria. Thank you so much for writing in. This is this is a present that she has. Yay. She has given to her boyfriend that has been very supportive while she goes through something very hard in her life, and so. What a gift. What a, what a gift. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving. So A podcast. A podcast. So this is for you, Daniel. Ira Glass wouldn't do it. <laughs> Mark Maron turned them down. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know what? We won't even say his name. It's fine. It doesn't need... No. This is for you, Daniel Gardapi. Thank you for being a listener and yeah. thank you for being a fan. And Merry we'll, Christmas. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> this burb's for you. Oh, that's nice. Just saddle up, drink a burb, and listen. Okay, let's let's get into the burbs. Okay. You want to do your infamous Rob's Rundown? This is going to be a little bit of a shorter Rob's Rundown. Yeah, I'm going to try to, like, speed through it like a car going through the intersection of a neighborhood where there's children playing ball in the streets. Oh, my God. There's a stop sign. <laughs> At least adhere to the <laughs> oh local norms. Oh, my God, norms. Timmy! <laughs> <laughs> The Burbs. So it's 1989 film. Okay. It stars Mr. Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks. Yeah. As he's better known, Mr. Rita <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. He plays a guy named Ray Peterson. He's trying to have a relaxing staycation. Didn't want to go somewhere. He doesn't want to go out to some cabin in the woods. Yeah. He just wants to stay in his home and relax. And he has to keep on explaining what a stay-at-home vacation is. He doesn't he doesn't ha- they don't have the words. They yet. hadn't coined the portmanteau yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so he's driving his family crazy. His family including Princess Leia, Carrie yep. Fisher, and some kid who's not very good. <laughs> no, I kind of liked him. He was, was he? all right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he does that one like creepy monologue. He does it well. Okay. All right. But so he's sort of driving his family crazy playing Rear Window with the house down the road. This is such a co- comedy version of Rear Window. Yeah. Through and through. I mean, there are certain elements, I would mm-hmm. say. I didn't really realize that until this time of watching it. I was like, this is totally that movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, he's doing this with his paranoid neighbor, Art. They hear these noises. They see them drive to the curb with trash. And then later, Tom Hanks sees them burying or digging up something in the rain in the backyard. It might be worms. Who knows? Yeah. Fishing season. Exactly. Of course, if it's raining, you don't have to dig for the worms. They'll come right up. (laughs) Yeah. I... The most the weirdest story I can remember from my science class in in grade nine is that my teacher told me that worms mate by like putting their bodies together because they have like sexual or- they're, they're the uh-huh. same thing they like you know they have two with the same sexual organ and they put them together but when they do that kind of in the rain they go up and and they do that and when he was a kid on a farm he'd walk through and they'd all try to part. As he's walking, and he said the sound was disgusting. (laughs) It's like little popping sounds all the way through. And that stuck with me to this day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, this kid. uh, I told you. We should have waited. I thought they were sleeping. (laughs) But so they suspect that these neighbors, the Klopex, have had something to do with their neighbor Walter's disappearance. Mm-hmm. So they start to sort of spy on them with the help of Bruce Dern. And also Corey Feldman is there. Yeah, and he's making like, a house. He's making a big show of it. He sort of like looks at it as his sort of television. You know, he says it's better than anything on TV. He brings a girl there. He brings all his skater bros. Yeah. Yeah. But so they drop in on the family and they learn that... They're going to be away one day. 
to go to some university. And then so Tom Hanks and Art and Bruce Stern decide to investigate. So they dig up the whole fucking backyard and then they move on to the basement and they find nothing. In fact, they find a gas hose. Gas line. It's a pipe. <laughs> it's okay. And Tom <laughs> you Hanks. You can't just bury a hose. I, I don't know. You can dig with a hose. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He hits the gas line. It blows up. He's almost incinerated. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like the guy that they thought was dead comes back. Walter. And it seems like they've just gotten their neighbors completely wrong. And they're the bad guys. Yeah. Until Tom Hanks is being taken away in the ambulance and the creepy doctor guy tries to, like, inject him with some poison shit. Air doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a fight, a struggle, and he's taken away for good. They find bodies in the trunk because Corey Feldman finds them. He solves the crime. Corey Feldman's always finding bodies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There are just other passed out people in his house from the party the night before. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's really sad, actually. Yeah. Um, and that's the whole movie. That's the entire plot of the movie. I, Did I miss something? No, I don't, no, I don't think. There's a lot of like – there's dream sequences. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of throwback to other horror movies. But we'll talk about that. We'll get into it. Yeah. There's a lot that I noticed – more when I was watching it this time, uh, not when I was a kid anymore. You know, I'm watching it now, and I'm seeing a lot of cool things. Like Joe Dante does this great job with models. The whole zoom in. Yeah, he loves working with attractive models. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one good looking town. It was a good looking cul de sac. You know. Uh, right. Are you talking about like the sort of opening sequence where it zooms in from the planet Earth? Yeah. Yeah. To like the most normal block, the middle America, they go in and yeah. it's, it's all it's model the suburbs. That's where they get the name The Burbs. Right. Yeah. When I first saw this movie, I was just scared of anything called Burbs. I was just terrified. I didn't even know what they were yet. <laughs> I kind of. I thought maybe the family was called The Burbs. <laughs> I thought everyone was mispronouncing a Hitchcock movie. I was like, <laughs> come on. It's oh, the, the adorable birds, birds. guys. <laughs> yeah, so I, but all that is like model work and I was I never noticed that. I thought it was just a crane, but uh, it couldn't have been. It mm. was really it was really cool. You're I, poking holes in the illusions of this movie, Blade. <laughs> well, I kind I just Next you're going to tell me that Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher aren't really married. Well, you called him Mr. Rita Wilson. <laughs> I think you already know some. Well, he married her after. They met on the set of uh, something or other. Love that movie. I, yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, it's the follow-up <laughs> to the verbs. or other. <laughs> that romantic comedy phase of Tom Hanks' career, just like, I mean, I know that you're a big fan. I love romantic comedies. It's true. No, what's the movie where Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson met? Sleeps in Seattle? Is that the one? I guess no. so. No, probably not. Yeah. We're telling tales out of school. Anyway. And then we also we also meet Rick Ducommon, who's like his neighbor. Yeah, that's right. Art. Yeah. I love this guy. Yes. He's, do he's, you? Yeah, I kinda do. Like he he does so much for me in this movie. He has so many funny lines. I like that he's the annoying neighbor. I think that's the perfect role for him. Yeah, well he definitely plays it well. He's sort of the person who drives Ray's paranoia. He's the person who thinks that he sees behind all the curtains and knows what's really up. Mm -hmm. And Ray, he's a sort of everyman sort of guy. Like right now, because he's at home, he just has too much time on his hands. And like we don't know why he's at home. Like he says he's just taking his vacation. But there are allusions to the fact that maybe he's been fired from his job. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't really know that. And so his vacation is more of like a euphemism for, you know, sitting around and not looking for a job. Yeah. Well, I feel like this whole movie is Tom Hanks' character trying to be a cool guy for his son in a way because his son doesn't respect him a lot throughout the movie. There's the point where he goes over to the Klopex house for the first time and he pushing Ray – not Ray. He's Ray. He's pushing – Art? Art down the sidewalk. He's like, oh, because Art says, you, you look like a fool in front of your son. You're looking, you're looking bad in front of your son. He's like, okay, we're going. We're going to go up to the door. We're going to ring the bell and the bees chase them. 
and there's a whole scene where they get stung by bees and look like fools. And the sun mm-hmm. kind of just ling- – the camera lingers Could in the sun. Could have been real my girl there for a moment. <laughs> exactly. The sun just watching his, his dad die. Tom Hanks can't see without his glasses. Oh, God. And he's just swelling up on the lawn. <laughs> but, yeah, the son is really disappointed in him, and I think Tom Hanks sees that. And so when – I think you can see this movie a little bit as him trying to be, you know, a cool a cool dad. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess I can see what you're saying there. Yeah. But the son doesn't factor that much into the movie. He goes away. They go on vacation for like half the movie, even though it's one day. Yeah, I mean, I, fi- I sort of found him like a little bit lackluster in the cast. Yeah. I mean, maybe just because the cast is so great. Like, yeah. you know, you got Bruce Dern. You got Bruce Corey Dern's Feldman. So funny. You got Tom Hanks. Carrie Fisher, who yeah. is like really underused, really. Totally. She plays like the quintessential wife that doesn't really have a character. Yeah, she's she's just playing wife. She's school marmish. Like yeah. the one running joke throughout this film is that they're a bunch of kids and she's the mom to all the kids on the block. Right. right? And she's like, no. Which is pretty fucking condescending. <laughs> it is. She's like, no, Ray can't come out and play with you guys. And you're like, all right. You know, yeah. Toe the dirt and walk away sad. So that's the kind of kind of a running commentary, and it feels bad because Carrie Fisher's so good, and she's so funny in everything she's in. You know, story of her life. Yeah, being relegated to the you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that was a story of like many female actors' lives in the eighties <laughs> and nineties. It's like most of them. And Rick Ducommon. <laughs> and Rick Ducommon. He never got his shot either. No. <laughs> no. I think this was his shot. <laughs> I think this movie was his shot. He does some funny things and there's some really big like nice throwaway jokes that he does that I never recognized. He's always eating everything in their kitchen in that first scene. Oh yeah. Which is very funny. Well that's the scene where he is explaining all of his sort of theories about the house next door and the sort of dark underbelly yeah. of the neighborhood. Let's throw to a clip of that. How come you're not at work, Ray? Well, I, I took a week off. Oh, a week off? That's great. What, are you guys going up to the lake or something? No, a backyard. A backyard? just want to hang around the house and relax. Relax? Oh, oh, good luck with those maniacs you got living next door. Have you met the club fix yet, Art? No. No, I haven't. Nobody on the block has. But uh, I did talk to the real estate fraud that sold them the place. Apparently their last house, it only burnt to the ground. Really? Yeah. A hideous, raging inferno. Yeah, so he... That man can eat. (laughs) But there's that... You don't see it because it's a podcast, but there's a part where he's eating everything and Carrie Fisher comes over with the dog food and he just... (laughs) <laughs> grabs a handful of that and then eats it and goes, eh. and then she puts it in the background down for the dog. And I never noticed that before. It's this kind of throwaway joke that's in the background. It's really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. This movie has like a weird sort of tone to it. Like it's sort of dark. It has like though cartoony moments like that. But like there are moments that are still sort of like kind of scary and i think like the whole sort of tone the whole theme of it is you know very still terrifying as an adult like the fact that you don't really know your neighbors and they could be doing anything and you know yeah there's like dark shit that happens like people kill their families like rick ducommon tells him yeah yeah like the ice cream guy yeah with an ice pick yeah (laughs) just like trotsky or in the dream sequence it's a milkshake blender that he right. has that he's killed people with which yeah. is so funny to me because it's like how how would you how would you go about doing anyway yeah i love the dream sequence like particularly the part where the camera pans and they're tying tom hanks to the giant barbecue <laughs> yeah yeah i also like the axe in Walter's head and then one in the dog's head too like a smaller axe yeah that was that's pretty funny and that's very trotsky Fun fact, that dog is the same little dog from Science of the Lambs. Precious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my precious. <laughs> Put the dog in a fucking basket. <laughs> they should have had that guy in that dream sequence. That would have made it yeah. terrifying, well, even though scary. that movie hadn't come out yet. What year did Silence of the Lambs come out? Uh, 90, 90, 94, mm. somewhere in there. Dogs don't live that long. 
<laughs> I'm sure they do. Found out the hard way. Oh, God. <laughs> Just about a week. At the end of what? What are you, what are you fostering elderly dogs? That's horrible. Oh, I thought it was a puppy. Actually, my, my <laughs> I shouldn't tell the story, but my, my mom, you know, she was a foster parent. And so when she was fostering humans, she would take the teen girls that were like 15, 16, that were just about to be kind of put out of the uh, of the program. They only paid a foster parent until the kid was 16, and then they were on their own kind of thing. So she Wait, would... you get paid to be a foster parent? You do. Cha-ching! <laughs> <laughs> Such... I'm going to adopt some babies! Yeah, exactly. It's like the hardest way to make money. <laughs> so, but, uh, but she'd always like take the toughest cases. Have you tried podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> As a family, my family hasn't learned how to make money. Either. But then she wanted to foster again when but she didn't want to foster kids anymore and she's older now and so she was like i'm gonna foster kittens and oh. i was like oh that's such, a, that's such a great a great thing to do mom and she went there to foster the kittens and then they were like well we have a bunch of elderly cats that no one fosters because they're old cats and my oh, mom was like that's how they fucking get you and my mom was like oh no one's taking them so she took the elderly cats and uh, she said the first one she took home and she placed on the on the on the chair and then she's like i'll see you after work and then went to work and then came back and it was on the same spot dead and she was like what no and and then it kept on happening she'd have the cat for like two or three days and it'd die and then she's like i can't do this anymore it's just okay. too depressing <laughs> but i she might be she might i'm be. kind of suspicious about your mom <laughs> maybe was, it's just that we're talking about this birth movie but like it kind of seems like your mom is maybe a cat murderer hair mom hair doctor with the oh my god hair veterinarian <laughs> Is your mom German? <laughs> no, decidedly not. But uh, but yeah, I just, I just was like, Mom, stop doing that. Uh, yeah, they, uh, your mom has so a big sad. heart for a killer <laughs> for a stone cold killer but that's kind of what this movie is like it's like this funny strange terrifying movie right. where it, it kind of says like no normal family man and then it flips into the negative on the screen and goes and a killer like that's every kind of scene in this movie it starts out funny and then hits something really uh, dark and the thing that helps it go that way and and really facilitates it being straddling those two lines is jerry goldsmith his uh his music is amazing in this yeah. movie he's I don't a good composer he's a great composer but i don't think this movie would be funny or scary if it wasn't for him yeah i think he makes this whole movie watching it again i was like he he really like Walks that line. That yeah. This first, even though he reuses his patent score, that's fucking cheap. He reuses patent score. That's pretty funny. Yeah. He also... when Bruce Dern. That's his like. Oh theme. yeah. Yeah. That's well. That's kind of funny because Bruce Dern is supposed to be like this. Yeah, not so military guy. But yeah, he's, that's like, like stuck Vietnam in the military. vet burnout. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the guy who peaked in high school, but he peaked in the army. You know, he's like, everything should be the, the way the army is. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're like, some people never left Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. If he was ever there in the first place. It's hard to say. Yeah. But when we meet him in the movie, Jerry Goldsmith has this, the stupidest song I've ever heard composed in a movie. Right. The dog song? Yes, I heard that too. And I was like, what, what is that? What is that song? <laughs> I just thought that maybe it was like I heard it because I don't know. Yeah, because you were you were very high. Is what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> you were like, is there a dog outside singing along? <laughs> because kind of like like it just follows. It's true. It's like a dog singing the Halloween theme. <laughs> <laughs> You know what it is? It's it's he got a synthesizer and he had that the dog sa- like one yeah, of the dog sampled. barks. Yeah, and he just played it on a synthesizer. I mean, the it's 80s so in particular, like there's a chunk of the 80s where apparently you could get away with these shittily sampled scores because yeah. we John Hughes was doing the same things. He probably used fucking John Hughes's sampler. <laughs> 
Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> Delete <laughs> that sample. <laughs> Put in the dog. <laughs> Delete John Candy arguing with Steve Martin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, on planes, trains, and automobiles. So weird. Yeah, maybe he had the same yak back. Yeah. He just recorded his own dog and was like, oh, I'll just play that at different pitches. Do you think anybody has sampled us? <laughs> no, I hope not. I really, really hope not. Rewatchability. <laughs> That's how it would sound. Yeah, it's just my annoying laugh sampled <laughs> in different pitches. It's like no one wants to hear that. Um, Probably just your ums. Yeah, true. <laughs> Don't you cut those out? Can't cut them all out. Yeah, true. I made the track. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Glad. The other thing that I like is there's so many throwaway jokes from, like, Carrie Fisher in the background, too, that we she gets one good joke in this movie. Yeah, well, that's probably the only reason why she agreed to do it is if she could rewrite her part and get something actually funny to say. Yeah, well, a lot of people rewrote their part in this movie. And, right. And uh, we have a behind-the-scenes section we're going to come up to after the break. And we'll talk about why that is. But uh, we're going behind the scenes. We're gonna go, you and me, <laughs> undercover behind the scenes to the set of the burb. <laughs> if they leave the set for a day, we're gonna break in and burn <laughs> the place down, <laughs> just like good neighbors do. Yeah. Was there anything else that rewatching it this time you kind of noticed that you hadn't seen that you hadn't noticed before when you were, you know, not such a kid watching it? Well, I think one thing that really stood out was how much Carrie Fisher and Tom Hanks argued. Like, basically, every scene with them opens with them in the middle of an argument or with Tom Hanks leaving an argument, being like, yeah, I'm going to walk the dog. Yeah, I and know. maybe when I was a kid, I was just thought that's how parents talk to each other. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I assumed. I, yeah, I assumed that's how parents talk. But now it seems really odd, but also, like, super interesting as, like, an artistic choice. Like, I think it sort of evokes a lot of their relationship that we don't get to see. And frankly, you know, it's like those arguments are so stupid. Like, we don't need to see how they start because, A, we've all fucking been there. Ain't I right, brother? (laughs) But also, (laughs) they're so petty and over nothing. Like, it's really just, like, the sort of strain in our relationship sort of manifesting. And we we just get to see, like, that their relationship is a bit fraught. Well, I mean, I think that adds to your theory of him being fired. Yeah. Because they're... They're not at a breaking point. Well, it's not my theory. I took it off the internet. It's your theory, Rob. Okay. (laughs) The Lerone theory of the burbs. Good. But it does – there is a lot of yelling back and forth, but it's all, like you said, petty things, and it never seems hurtful. Yeah. Like they're not calling each other names. No. They're being very loud and kind of – Tom Hanks is breaking the sound barrier at some points when he's he's talking, but they're not mean. No. And I think that's what – Allows it, A, to be funny, and B, for them to have kind of a great relationship at the end of this movie. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting that he does probably the worst thing I could imagine – because she says, you know, don't go into the house. Leave this alone. I'm so Don't glad. blow up the neighbor's house. Yeah, don't do it. I told you, you last time <laughs> we can't afford to keep paying out these insurance claims. Don't become a domestic terrorist, Tom Hanks, please. <laughs> but he doesn't listen to his wife, you know. No. Um, and That's why she has to be like a mom. <laughs> Always momming. Exactly. But he kind of gives up at the end and sees her way of things. And when he's taking the hit and going to go to jail, she does kind of just smile at him. And she's very supportive of him going through the worst moment in his life, about to go to jail, about, like, if he hadn't lost his job, he's losing his job. Yeah. It's he's, – he's done something very bad and she's not yell- – they're not yelling at each other at that point. Which I also I love the line like, like. where he's being loaded into the ambulance. She's just like, I'll find out what hospital they bring you to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she checks in on him. She's like, you Kinda. okay? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. Just, I just want to rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he has a great uh, explosive monologue before he gets into that. Oh, yeah. And maybe we should hear a bit of that right now. Nah, I don't think so. 
Okay. There, but it's going to be some sort of torture. Shut up, shut up Art! Shut up! God, you don't know when to quit, do you? Look at me! I'm a shell of a man because of you, Art. You leave! Now, now, now! I'm a soldier! You leave him alone! Get off that case already! They didn't do anything to us! They didn't do anything to us! All right, so they're different, so they keep to themselves! Can you blame them? They live next door to people who break into the house and burn it down while they're gone for the day! Thank you. Yeah, I, I love this part where, you know, maybe, like, it's a little bit arch. Yeah. Because this is essentially Tom Hanks stating the themes of the movie. Yeah. But I fucking love it. Just because Tom Hanks gets to, like, chew some scenery and yeah. gets to be energetic. And, like, I kind of miss energetic Tom Hanks. I guess yeah. I miss Tom Hanks. I love slapstick Tom Hanks. Where's he been? Like, yeah, there was none of that in that Captain Phillips movie. He did not freak out. He should and... have done, like, some flopping around. Oh, oh, you're the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, flips head on him. No way! I'm the captain! He turns into Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah. That's yeah. impressive Tom Hanks. He can do anything. Do you he think can... Tom Hanks would play Jerry Seinfeld in the Seinfeld biopic, yeah, he, he I can see it. He maybe I don't know whether Tom Hanks can be a dick though, and I think he needs Jerry Seinfeld is a little bit of that, you know, a little bit, yeah, a lot of bit. I mean, he needs kind of a dick. I, we've just had to sort of reconcile ourselves with it. With Jerry Seinfeld, with the fact that he's a dick, yeah. You I know. also heard kind of not a great story about Tom Hanks behind the scenes in this movie. Whoa! Yeah. No. I mean, it's not the worst story. No blame. It just, it just, it just puts a little, you know. And that's rewatchability no, for this you can't. week. No, no. Subscribe We're get to it. There's a little bit of scuff. That's all I'm saying. On his shine, it's not the worst thing he did. It's not that bad. But he didn't steal somebody's typewriter, did he? <laughs> and then fix it up and give it back to them. That jerk. No, he didn't do that. We'll get into that. Okay. Maybe we'll get into that after this break. What break? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about the burbs, and we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a little bit of trivia. Oh, okay, I'll put my shirt back on. Okay, yeah, that was you got greased up way too fast too. I really didn't appreciate that. <laughs> I pre-greased. That. <laughs> oh, God. I always do. It's <laughs> awful. That that was a spot. I was wrong before. So, Rob, I'm going to give you some trivia questions. You get to answer the best okay. of your knowledge. What do I win? You win nothing. What do I lose? You everything. also <laughs> you also lose everything. So, Corey Feldman. False. <laughs> Correct. Moving on. Corey Feldman brought a famous visitor to the set. Who was this famous visitor? Do I, is it multiple choice? No. Can you make it multiple choice? <laughs> um, sure. Okay. One of them is the other Corey. Sure. Okay. One of them is Michael Jackson. Great. And one of them is Michael Jackson's Monkey Bubbles. Okay. And what do you pick? I pick... The other Corey. <laughs> you would be wrong. Shit! I... Motherfucker! <laughs> Don't... I'm done with trivia. Hey, 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 it's all right. You still get Sorry, to not win. You still get to not win anything. You're right. You... C. Bubbles. He brought he brought Michael Jackson's monkey to set. Is it a monkey? Is it An not orangutan? a orangutan? Okay. I don't know what the... Like, because there's different... There's different classifications of primates. There's bonobos. <laughs> right. What are the ones with the pink bums? That, that's a red, red-assed orangutan. Okay. He did not bring one of the great apes. He brought a monkey, chimpanzee. Is that, I don't know. Maybe chimpanzee. Maybe. He brought bubbles to set is what I'm saying. That's weird. Joe Dante was like, you have to keep it in your trailer. 
which is what he said to a lot of things Corey <laughs> Feldman brought to his set. Um, and uh, that's, you know, you shouldn't be so hard on Corey Feldman because we know that he was suffering through, like, terrible abuse and shit. Yeah, I know. That's and also really hard. He's done some, like, really laughable things. I'm talking about Corey's angels. <laughs> yeah. But also, I I can't make fun of him because, yeah, he's had, like, a really terrible life. And no wonder he found an affinity with Michael Jackson, who had a terrible life. And, yeah, you know, it just sucks. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He had an intervention on set. Did he? Did you know that? Like a bubbles intervention. <laughs> they were like, you can't bring this monkey around because it just excuses you throwing your own face. We don't like it. <laughs> it enables you. So who sat down with Corey Feldman, looked him in the eye and said, you're in trouble. I know it. Stop whatever you're doing. Is this trivia about the movie or is this obscure details about Corey Feldman's tragic life? Well, he was the only notable person that went through anything on the set, so I could only find trivia about him. Was it Joe Dante? And? Tom Hanks? It was, it was Carrie Car- Fisher. It was Carrie Fisher. Yes. Because she's the best. And because she had the most experience. Yeah. She had just like, gone through an addiction problem of her own. Yeah. And Corey Feldman hadn't gone through an addiction problem. He was just smoking pot at this point. And she was like, You're- And there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and she was like, Hey, I smoke pot. When do I get to meet Carrie Fisher? <laughs> yeah. I, I hate to tell you, Rob. Oh, don't give me that. It's not. Uh... Anyway. I haven't seen The Last Jedi yet. Don't spoil it. Oh, don't worry. Someone else already has. the dire- No, I like The Last Jedi and I like Ryan Johnson. But a lot of people hated on that movie. There is also a diehard connection in this movie. Well, yeah, Rick Ducommon. There you go. He played the guy in the sewer in Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have a third trivia question or is that just a random fact that you were going to throw the, in there? The, the last trivia question I had was what was uh, – who else was in Silence of the Lambs? But you, you beat me to it. Well, I should get credit for that, don't you think? I should get points. Look, I thought we talked about not looking up all the trivia, and then I would give you... But, you know, you wanted to win, and you won. How am I not supposed to research things about the movie? We have to talk about this thing. <laughs> um, I am not supposed to know any of the actors' names or anything? Oh, who's that charismatic guy with the curly hair who I recognize dog? from... <laughs> Are you talking about the dog? Yes! Oh, my God. She's one of the most prolific canine actors. It's true. Of her generation. She is very Which precious. was very short-lived. Dogs, they live very, very short lives. Well, and also, the they, they get old fast on camera. And so and people don't want the... They want to keep them as a young dog. When they get older, they don't want to... And in particular, female dogs, awful. their careers are short because, you know... Just because of the sexism, sexism of the Hollywood studio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was playing a mother in the next film she had. That's fucked. I know, right? But she she plays such a young dog here. It's awful. It's weird. It's it's really maybe we shouldn't be making fun of that because it's so horrible for female actors in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, but we should get into the, some of the behind the scenes because some fun. We haven't been behind the scenes. What about Corey Feldman's intervention? That was a trivia. This is how we work <laughs> into behind the scenes. Okay, you're making the... fun of the whole process here. I, you know what? I'm with you, Blaine. Let's do this. <laughs> you don't have to be with let's, me. Let's break into the scenes. Okay, so like. Art and Ray break into the house. Let's set these scenes on fire. Wait, did you? Okay. What? No, please. Hit me with it. Because we haven't talked about some of the other cast. Okay. Did you look up the other creepy people from the Klopex clan? The one guy who was in Churl of the Corn? Which one was that? He was Hans. The guy with the beard. The pale guy. Oh, yeah. The kid. Yeah. Yeah. The hillbilly-looking deliverance dude? Yeah, yeah. He played I, Malachi. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that, but that's totally creepy yeah. now that I know <laughs> yeah, that. for sure. Yeah. Well, Joe Dante, like, he really wanted a lot of horror tropes in this movie, and he, like, pulled a lot into this movie, a lot of nods to other horror movies. Right. The Exorcist, Gremlins, which he he did. There's yeah, a cereal box. Like self-serving. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there is, like, a scene from The Exorcist. Well, one cast member that I looked up because he kind of freaked me out was the guy who plays the brother. Oh, yeah, the guy who just yells at everyone all the time. Yeah, with, like, the weird, like, mushroom cut. His name is Brother Theodore, and he's, like, an avant-garde 
performer from the 60s on. Right. And he apparently coined stand-up tragedy was his thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a lot of comedians' things. They just don't want to admit it. Well, not in their lives, but on stage. (laughs) Well... That's so funny. Yeah. I watched this clip of him on the Jerry Lewis show. Yeah. And he was essentially being the same old weird German dick to Jerry Lewis that he was to Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher in this movie. That's so funny. Hey, if you got something, use it, you know? Yeah. Because that character is going to play it. He, there's also a picture of him in this movie in the house, the Klopax house. It's not their house. They murdered someone to get it. Why mm-hmm. am I calling it? Anyway. There's a picture in the background with of him with Lucille Ball. No, I think you're mistaken. That's the guy who plays Walter. Oh, true. Yes. Yeah. Gordon Gale, I think his name was. Yeah, he was in a lot of Lucille Ball's uh, Ball's shows. Yeah, and this was his last film appearance. He passed away shortly after this. Wow. Turns out he wasn't better. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's dark. That is dark. He might make that joke, though, because he was, he was freaking scary in this movie. Yeah. And he kind of played it for comedy, which made it a little scarier. And he also played it so, like, I don't know, he whispered all his lines. It was like he was trying to be Marilyn Monroe or something. <laughs> he, he like, Who happy- isn't? <laughs> happy birthday, uh, Mr. President. Not the current president, but former president. Sure. Dad jeans. <laughs> Everyone had to make up a lot of their own lines in this movie because they filmed this movie during the writer's strike. Right. Of 88. <laughs> I don't know. That, it's like, it's like a that was a long winter. <laughs> writer's strike of 88. We are eating our old Roseanne episodes <laughs> for nutrients. So there's this... It was scarce. <laughs> <laughs> there's this thing where they needed a scene. They didn't have a scene. They needed a connecting scene. So Carrie Fisher was like, we should just be watching Jeopardy. That's what we should be doing. And it's one of the kind of the nice scenes where they actually get along, her yeah. and Tom Hanks. And I love it. And there's this one thing where Alex Trebek is saying, what is the, you know, this is a, a thing people say when an earthquake comes, when you like lie on the floor with your hands spread and, and uh, remain calm. And she's like, remember you telling me that on our prom night? <laughs> it was like so funny. It was such like an ad lib throwaway line. She's so funny. Um, yeah, she was great. They should have had her more in this movie. I, I really... It would have been nicer. Yeah, it I think a it's a movie. lost opportunity because I, she does sort of come th- in in the middle. Like she's the person who insists that they go and actually talk to the Klopex. Yeah. So they knock on the door and they go with Bruce Dern and his wife and they have like a whole thing. That's where like that sardines scene yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that sardine scene. And the the pepper thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You're a big fan of the pepper I thing. just love his, his like, r- repetitive sneezing. And then he takes a whole newspaper and crams it into his face <laughs> right, to solve right. it. It's so stupid and so slapstick. And I love it. Um, so, uh, how are you enjoying Hinkley Hills? We just love it. Don't we? Yes. Klopek. What is that, Slavic? No. About a nine on the tension scale, Rube. How do you like living here so far, huh? Pretty comfortable house, ain't it? Good solid walls. Good solid floors. Oh, got somebody tied up in the old cellar, have you, Rude? The other weird thing, and we'll get into why, why Tom Hanks is kind of a dick, is that Tom Hanks thought that this was a way more serious movie than it was. So all his over-the-top comedy is him thinking that he's play- he, he says he's kind of playing that for drama a little bit. Which, really, which really weirds me out because it, it sounds like – looks like he's really playing that for comedy. Yeah. I mean that would be like a pretty hacky sort of move if you weren't playing it for comedy. Maybe that's like the secret to Tom Hanks is that 
He's playing the opposite of what the movie is all the time. The directors just don't tell him what the movie <laughs> right. is. Right. The great comedy Apollo 13. He did very, very well in a lot of slapstick, hitting his head. On Philadelphia? The, on the, oh, God. I, see, I was going to say that, but I thought I didn't want to get into it. But yes, that was also the most hilarious role he's ever had. The whole singing in the opera scene, very good. And just try one without the slapstick moves, Tom Hanks. Just yeah. for just for kicks. Yeah, yeah. Just to get into just it. Just try one, we'll you know, a little bit over sad. And, over and it's fine. But the woman playing the military guy's wife. Yes. She I can't remember her first name, but her last name is Shaw because she is not related to Kristen Shaw. Oh, okay. She she's funny. I find her funny in this movie. Yeah, she plays the mom on American Dad. Oh, great. Yeah. She's she's very funny. Tom Hanks gave her a present at the end of this movie. Right. Well, this is I, – I, I know what you're going to say because yeah. he, he gave everyone a present at the end of the movie. Just it was a, always a typewriter too. Very <laughs> nice. No, it was – what was it? It was something else, wasn't it? The I sunglasses. Remember. I think he okay. gave everybody sunglasses and he probably typewrote mm-hmm. a nice little <laughs> note. Just like you fucking typewrote those things on your wedding. Well, it's all right. <laughs> you can make fun of You're you. just like Tom Hanks, secretly a dick. <laughs> admit it. I'll, I'll admit it later. So he does this really nice thing like a gift, yeah. a parting gift for his castmates and what is the dick thing that he does? Well, now you're not see now you're quizzing me. We're back to trivia. <laughs> we thought we had segments. We're, we're, he, uh, he kind of wrote a note to her saying, I didn't understand what the hell you were doing throughout this entire movie, but it must have worked because you, you finished the movie. You finished acting in the movie. That's incorrect. You forgot to phrase it in the form of a question. Oh. It's what see, is. I, 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 I don't know what you were trying to do. <laughs> but it's kind of like – that's the weirdest backhanded compliment I've ever heard. It's the compliment's like way at the end. There's no buried. compliment. He's like, it must have worked. You must have known what you were doing. You're a good actor, but like he phrases no, it under a ton of like, you didn't know what you were doing. I don't know, Tom Hanks. What he's saying is that you are not a competent actor, but you're a nice person. Right. That's fucked up, Tom Hanks. Thanks, but no, T. Hanks. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, T. Hanks. What would Rita Wilson think about that? I don't know. Bet she has to put up with that all the time. Jeez. In a birthday card. Yeah. I'm a better actor, but you're a good actor, too. Motherfucker! <laughs> Love Tom. She should leave him. <laughs> Every time she hears clack, 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 she knows there's, like, a neg coming her way. <laughs> her husband's negging her on something. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, that's all the behind the scenes I yeah. have. I mean, there wasn't any. This is this is a fast shoot. Well, I it was also like two weeks. I have some behind the scenes stuff. If you are how, done, how dare you? Yeah, Go stepping on. on your toes. Check out this. So the whole set. Peep this. The cul de sac that is the burb is made up. Down. No, you don't. I, okay. Go go for it. Go for it. It's made up of a whole bunch of houses from classic TV shows. Like one of the houses, in particular the Corey Feldman house, was the Munsters house. Yeah, and the whole set was uh, Leave it to Beaver set too. Yeah, I think it was it's actually – yeah. I, I think it was the Leave it to Beaver remake. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 And Beaver there's... rides again. <laughs> <laughs> go down on Beaver. No. <laughs> No. Go Down had a different meaning in the 80s. Yeah, it was like, go downtown. Yeah. You know? All the way <laughs> to Beaver. Town. Uh, to Beaver Town. Yeah. Damn. Also, I read that Tom Hanks and Rick Ducommon did not gel on the set. Oh, like, no. per- something about Rick Ducommon irritated. Rubbed him the wrong way? Tom Hanks. Yeah. yeah. Which I can sort of see. Yeah. Yeah. And also, apparently, nobody really got along with the guy who played Walter, and he mostly stuck to himself. But maybe he just didn't like fucking, you know, all these... <laughs> who did he have to interact with? He was interacting with no one. He had to interact with Precious. Yeah. And, and Precious had he, better she hair. She was stuck up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My agent's getting me a Robert Harris movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, I figure very heavily in the movie. I also sing a song on this soundtrack. (laughs) Do you sing a song, Walter? No. Yeah. Well, she won a Grammy for this. What what a bitch. It's a dog. I shouldn't have said it. Blame. Cut it out. Cut it out of the final. I'm going to sample you saying bitch. (laughs) No, no. Make it into a song. No, I don't want to be that person. That's the name of the song. I don't want to be that person. (laughs) And then there's going to be bees in it, too. There is an alternate ending to this movie, too. What? Yeah, one where the Klopeks give kind of a big speech at the end about why they moved to the suburbs. Why did they move to the suburbs? To get away from minorities? No. (laughs) No. It's It's called white flight. (laughs) It's, It's Oh, God. Um... It's the same reason anyone else moves. They're like, for the parking space and the easy, easily accessible malls. Like, it's a very weird – and he's – I don't know. Oh, man. I don't know. The suburbs is creepy. Like, all those McMansions and yeah. every house looks the same and sometimes you accidentally drive into your neighbor's driveway. Who got the suburbs better between these two movies, Edward Scissorhands, which we just did, or this or this movie? Oh. Because I think Edward Scissorhands kind of captures the kind of creepiness a lot, too, of the suburbs in a more artistic way, I'd say. Yeah. It sort of like Wes Andersonizes the suburbs in a way. Yeah. You know, with all sure. like the pastel colors, mm. the sort of like weird symmetry. But it is about the suburbs, both of them, it's about your neighbors turning on you. Yeah, and the sort of dark underbelly of these people, what can happen when they get sort of twisted about. Yeah, yeah, and that, you know, even the most— And their fear of newcomers. The fear of newcomers. Both movies kind of show that the newcomers are actually monsters, though, which kind of sucks. Like, this, this movie does say the people that are different on our block are actually different. And that sucks. Well, I was thinking as a about message that for this movie. I was thinking about that because, yeah, I think it does suck as a movie. They're only saying this about the Germans, but even you know, they're saying, yeah, like they look different than you. They have different customs. They wear different yeah. clothes. They drive yeah. to the. They don't water their lawn. Yeah. Why are we suspicious of those people? And if we're suspicious of those people, we should question ourselves. Yeah. But at the same time, I think ultimately. It is a horror movie. Right. And so I think it wants to breed that fear in us. It wants us to question that thing while still feeling it if it's a thing that we feel. It's so funny because all the movies where someone is paranoid about their neighbors, it actually turns out they're right. I don't. I can't think of a movie where someone's paranoid about their neighbor and then they're wrong in the end. Well, I mean, neighbors are fucked up. Neighborhoods are weird. There's like shit around you that you don't even know. Like, you know some fucked up shit about your neighbors? I had a neighbor at one point called Dark Wolf. Tell me more. (laughs) And he was a white man who appropriated every other culture that you could ever imagine. And he had a, a Japanese wife that was born in Canada and she didn't kind of like... She was not into the... Cultural appropriation? Well, he was very much into her culture and she wasn't as much. Right. And so I could hear them fighting sometimes about him being like, you didn't take off your shoes when you came into the house. And she's like, I don't want to. (laughs) He's like, but it's your... Like, I heard those conversations. And he was like so mean to us. He would... if Like, we we were, you know, in our 20s, but he would be silent towards us. We'd be like, hey, and he would look at us and then walk away. He's Dark Wolf. He's Dark Wolf. He's a lone wolf except for his wife. Yeah. He would leave passive-aggressive notes all times, uh, everywhere. He would. There would be like seven notes on the door, and just saying, "Don't slam the door." And we tried everything. We put padding on the door, but there would still be another note being like, "Don't slam the door." We didn't know what we were doing. It was kind of like that Simpsons thing where it's like, "Lose the sideburns." He was gaslighting you. He was totally gaslighting us. There are four lights. <laughs> yeah, and there was one point where my buddy's mom came to visit, and she's kind of a new agey woman, and he came to the door and answered it, but didn't say hello. And she was like, "Hello." Didn't say anything. She's like, I think my son lives here. It's first time visiting. And he didn't say anything. He's a tall guy imposing. And just kind of looked down at her. And then she was like, are you taking a vow of silence? Like we all heard this as we were walking down the <laughs> stairs to try to just like such a cute woman trying with such a horrible man. Is there, did you have a bad neighbor? Well, 
Or were you the bad neighbor? Well, yeah, probably. But there's I mean, a smell coming from his apartment. <laughs> I think he has so many pine trees in there. What's he building in there? <laughs> oh God! You know the Tom Waits. Yeah, sounds? This I is do. The movie. This it's a movie terrifying like, sound to me. So good. Yeah. But when I used to live in the Junction a couple years ago, I guess this was a while ago because Rob Ford was mayor, and you may remember Rob Ford because. He is the brother of our current provincial premier, but he was also addicted to crack. And, and on SNL, right? Didn't he go on SNL? Uh, no. Or they I made don't know. fun of him on SNL? He definitely went on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, yeah, okay. But. Claim to fame in Toronto. We. There were rumors I heard, somebody told me that there was a crack house across the street. Yeah, okay. And Sweet. I'd also heard rumors that. Sometimes Rob Ford would go to a crack house in my neighborhood. Oh, my. So I thought maybe one day I would see Rob Ford at my crack house. Okay. Okay. It's not your crack house. (laughs) And I never did. Just across the street. That's a great story. But one day I did see the SWAT team (laughs) raid the crack house. Oh, my God. And I just – I couldn't tear myself away from the window because I was waiting for – You were Corey Feldman in this this movie. I was calling over my girlfriend, my skater friends. We were like, come see. They're going to bring out Mayor Rob Ford from the crack house. (laughs) And they didn't. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's possible because he had friends in the uh, police who sort of looked out for him, Ron Travner. (laughs) Way to call out. I'm going to do it. Justice. This is is my platform. Man, rewatchability is all about justice. Now in my house where I live now in the East End, I'm pretty sure I've been told that there's a brothel at the end of the street. Okay. Because – Weird dudes are always, like, knocking on the wrong house, being like, is this where the women are? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to be – I thought you were going to say, because I always have to pay. <laughs> I think that's why it's a brothel. Um, it's called the Maison Derriere. <laughs> and it puts the spring in Springfield. <laughs> well, Rob, do you think this movie is rewatchable? Yeah. Well – Sort of rewatching it. Just, just imagine Daniel sitting at home listening to this, and you're saying that this is his favorite movie. So, you know, be nice. Well, I think watching it this time, there were some issues that I had with it. Like, I think tonally it can be a little bit inconsistent. Hold and, on, Daniel. Go on. <laughs> I mean, the elements are all there. You have Tom Hanks, Carrie Fisher, Dernsey. <laughs> yeah. It should be a hilarious movie, but there's something that doesn't quite gel with it, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if it's that it doesn't know what it wants to be or it's trying to find the right balance between, like, horror and comedy. But I didn't find myself laughing that much. And I, you know, I still enjoyed watching the movie, but I I didn't feel myself, like, moved by it in Mm -hmm. any sort of way. And I think that there are still, like... Lots of really, really cool elements that I noticed and I will probably keep thinking about for the next couple of weeks. But it didn't really like hit me in the way that I sort of hoped it would. Okay. I still think Masochist. it's rewatchable. All I'll right. probably rewatch it again. And I think like it's saying like a lot of really interesting things about neighbors and the suburbs yeah. and the nuclear family and Tom Hanks and <laughs> saying a lot of know, interesting things about and Tom your Hanks. neighbors as entertainment and yeah. voyeurism. This is all blown out of the water by like social media. Now we just we spy on our neighbors by reading their Facebooks or Twitter feeds and living off that sort of drama that way. Mm. But at this point, I think it was a good critique, even if it maybe doesn't quite get it right. Yeah. It's, it's trying to say something really interesting, okay. I think. Fair enough. Uh, so it's, it's rewatchable, okay. but with caveats. All right. All right. I think that is very rewatchable. I noticed a lot more this time rewatching it, and I had just seen it. My wife was like, didn't you make me watch that last year? And I was like, Yeah. Do you want to watch it again? She was like, no, no, I don't. I love this movie. I think a lot of people love this movie. I think it's a little cult cult hit of a movie. Yeah. And I'm glad Maria 
contacted us. I'm glad we could rewatch it for Daniel. Yeah. And we've been meaning to do this movie since this podcast started. Like, this was one of the movies I think that I always wanted to rewatch. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Did it scare you now? Was it still kind of scary? Well, I think that there's like elements of it, but it's more like an existential fear. Like, you know, I will think more about my neighbors. Right. You know. Or or you, it's like, oh, I could move to the suburbs and have to deal with normal people. That would be fucked too. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be pretty horrible. Would you ever move to the suburbs? We're both city boys. We're, <laughs> we're both city boys. We both came from like smaller towns though. Yeah. And I lived in kind of the same I grew up in like units mm. that all faced each other. So yeah, I kind of got a cul-de-sac feeling from that. I don't know if I'd move to the suburbs again. I have a real – I had a real hit on for the suburbs. Now I'm like, oh, there's cheap housing out there. Mm-hmm. M- maybe I'll go that direction to live, to be able to afford food. But yeah, I can't – you can't see yourself living in the suburbs. No, no. Creepy neighbors. Yeah, because I'd be there. I'd be the creepy neighbor for Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening to Rewatchability this week and Happy New Year to those of you who, who got this uh, when we released it. Yeah. And, and or very... who celebrate yeah. the calendar. <laughs> People just don't celebrate the calendar? There's different calendars. They're like late to work every Monday? The Julian calendar? It, okay. It's the... different in Russia. <laughs> and you know at least Putin's listening. Uh, well, he's always listening. That's what I like about him. He's... <laughs> Always, always our number one fan because he always has to listen. Hair Putin. Um, thank you Here's so much you. for listening. And you can find us on Facebook.com slash rewatchability. You can talk to us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can get a T-shirt at Public. Email us at rewatchability at gmail.com. It works. Yeah. I think this podcast itself is proof. And you can request other Tom Hanks movies. Other Tom Hanks movies or any movies through our Patreon.com slash rewatchability site. So thank you, Maria, for doing that. And and I'll talk to you all next week. Let's go bury those bodies. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.